When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about today's show. I've rarely been this excited about a show. I am just chomping at the bit to do this podcast. Boy, this is going to be a good one. You're going to like this one a lot. Got good questions. Got a great phoned-in question about Dave Ramsey. And I'm going to save that till the end because it's the most fun part, and that way you'll stick around. Well, you can always skip forward. It's a podcast. also wanted to mention that today, Friday, the 24th of July, time flies, huh? Uh, I appeared on the podcast Stacking Benjamins, which was a great deal of fun, even though I really stunk at the trivia question. So it's a podcast on all the podcast services called Stacking Benjamins. Nice people. It's fun to hang out with them, talk about fire, financial independence, retire early, you know, that thing. So check it out and uh, stick around for this podcast and tell everybody about what we do here. And what we're going to do today is it's really another question day. And there's a reason for that. I'm behind on questions. So I'm going to do a few written in questions. And then I'm going to do the phone call which came in to 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Oh, 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 I also forgot to mention, in addition to typing in questions at TalkingRealMoney.com, we have a new little widget gadget thingy on there. There's a little microphone button, and you can now record your question on your computer's microphone or an external microphone, and just click that, and it'll come right to me, and I can edit it right into the show. And again, give me more information rather than less, because I can always take some out if it's not necessary. Okay? So go check that out. It's at TalkingRealMoney.com. Just click on the Contact button, and you can either do the written question form or the oral version. Now, to today's questions. This first one is about active ETFs. Hi, Don and Tom. Tom's not here right now. Since there are now managed ETFs, how do they differ from closed-end funds? I'm not expecting to buy either, but would like to know what the difference is. Good. Thanks for the entertaining show that keeps us from straying into the dangerous allure of individual stock picking. You're welcome. Glad to do it. And by the way, individual stock picking is dangerously alluring. Closed-end funds, they've been around for a long time. As a matter of fact, closed-end funds actually predate mutual funds. The very first mutual fund, I believe, was a closed-end fund. A closed-end fund raises X amount of money, and then it closes to new investors. And then the manager manages the money that is there. However much that is, they try to grow it into more money, or eventually they you know, make mistakes and go away. 
but it does not ever take in new money again. It trades on the exchanges as a stock, but it's really a mutual fund without new money coming in. And its price can vary depending on the market, not necessarily on the, the value of the assets, which is you can get these big spreads between what the portfolio is worth and what the market thinks it's worth. Exchange-traded funds had been, up until recently, a purely index product. A participant, uh, the the people putting it together, would create a basket of stocks based on, say, the S&P 500. And then you would buy pieces of that basket on an exchange, because the exchange traded, but then this participant would always make uh, provide the liquidity to to either liquidate shares or create new shares. And therein lies the difference. A closed-in fund never creates new shares. A managed ETF can create new shares to meet demand for shares. So there's going to be Really, the only thing you're going to see is probably a a smaller spread between bid and ask. You're not going to see these big premiums or discounts to net asset value. But as you said, you're not going to buy either one, I hope. And I hope none of you are going to buy either one because they're managed, either one of them. They're actively managed. There's someone out there saying, I believe this stock is better than that stock. I believe this segment of the market is going to outperform that segment of the market. And as we have been preaching since the beginning of our time, nobody, nobody, nobody can do this consistently. Nobody. As as a matter of fact, it's against math. Mathematically, it can't be done. 855-935-TALK. Send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com. And this one here is about 401ks. It's a 401k question. Hello, Don. This last Saturday, you broached the subject of 401ks and fraud. This got us thinking and generated a question. Currently, my 401k is still at Fidelity. We were getting ready to move it into a rollover IRA at Vanguard when COVID hit. That COVID thing. The one detail which troubled us was that, according to Fidelity, they had to cut a check for that amount, mail it to us, where we would then mail it to Vanguard. The 401k is about $1.5 million, and we would prefer to have it moved electronically for our own peace of mind. The 401k is in a proprietary company mutual fund, which would have to be sold before moving to the rollover. Do you have any ideas to accomplish the transfer with the least amount of trouble for the parties involved? I thought about rolling it into an IRA at Fidelity as cash and then transferring to an IRA at Vanguard from there. Any ideas? Thanks for what you and Tom do. That was one of my ideas. Just have Fidelity, put it in a Fidelity IRA in cash. There shouldn't be any cost for that. And then do a and then do a direct transfer over to Vanguard. However, I am confident that once you have liquidated that proprietary fund, now this may be the fly in the ointment, you should be able to liquidate that proprietary fund inside the 401k and have that move to money market, hopefully with a non-proprietary 
group of some kind. And then, if it's not proprietary, there is no reason why a 401k can't be transferred directly to an IRA in kind. There's no reason that I'm aware of. None whatsoever. There may be some obscure thing that I never heard in all the years I've been doing this, but I do know that 401ks have been moved into IRAs without you taking a check, which creates a rollover as opposed to a transfer. So what I would probably do first is ask Vanguard if they can go ahead and do an in-kind. Get the get the assets moved into a money fund of some kind and then ask Vanguard to instigate an in-kind transfer and see if it doesn't work. Otherwise, I think the Fidelity idea should take care of it. Thanks so much for the note. You can send yours in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Just click on the contact button. You can also send an audio question now. Very cool, huh? We're going to try that out for a month and see if people do it. If not, I'm not going to keep paying for it. So if you like, if you don't want to call, but you want to send a question in, and by the way, the quality should be a lot better because you'll be sending it in through your computer mic or an external microphone, and you can get really good external microphones for not a lot of money. So let's get to, I think I'm going to do one more and then the call. Yeah, let's, let's do that. So this one is about P-I-M-I-X and P-F-F-D. <laughs> What's your opinion of the Global X U.S. preferred ETF? PFFD, and the PIMCO Income Fund, P-I-M-I-X. My wife and I are working with a new fiduciary financial advisor. Mm -hmm. We're both retired federal employees, age 66. This financial advisor recommends a bucket approach for retirement income. For bucket number three, funds not needed within the next seven years, she recommends TSP, Thrift Savings Plans, the thrift savings plan that he has, and Vanguard index funds. Wait, you have TSP money? I hope she's not asking you to move any of your TSP money over to her, because that would not be necessarily in your best interests. I see a little problem potentially, but okay, that's consistent, as you say, with your approach over the past 25 years. For bucket number two, funds needed within three to seven years, she recommends PFFD and PIMIX in a taxable account. This suggestion is different from my previous habit of using Vanguard and TSP bond index funds. Preferred stock dividends get favorable tax treatment compared to a bond fund. I'm not sure what to make of the PIMCO income fund. Maybe these suggestions are a creative idea to generate more income in the medium term, Price fluctuation wouldn't bother us. Our risk tolerance is pretty high. As I've said before, I really appreciate your podcast. <laughs> well, one, if you've listened to us, you know we love the TSP. And we're a fiduciary advisor. And I got to tell you, if we had clients with the TSP and they could continue to keep that, they didn't need the money out of it. It would be irresponsible to tell them to move out of those cheap products and into something more expensive, like PFFD and PIMIX. Holy cow, they're a lot more expensive on an annual basis. Yeah, if she's put those are the institutional shares, so she's not collecting a commission for those as brokers would. But, 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 wow. 
that's just weird risk. PIMIX is a leveraged hedging both sides of the market bond fund actively managed and scary to me because its yield is 6% and its bond position is 200% of the cash they have. What does that tell you? They own more bonds than they have money, which means they're borrowing money. And preferreds, preferreds have preferential tax treatment for corporations, not for individuals. And preferred stock is almost as risky as regular stock, but it tends not to be as rewarding. Yes, it creates an income stream, but that's okay. Our belief, and this is very, very well researched, is that you take your risky money and you put that in stocks. You determine what your risk tolerance is, and then you put enough into very safe bonds, not to generate income, but to reduce the fluctuation and the volatility. That's how we think volatility should be reduced. Not by doing this convoluted, complicated, confusing mess. And the other thing, I have a sneaking notion that your advisor is an expensive one just because expensive advisors tend to do weird things to, to try to justify their high expense. Have you pulled up her firm's ADV Part 2 brochure? If not, go to uh, advisor info, A-D-V-I-S-E-R info, dot S-E-C dot gov, or you can go to Talking Real Money and on the choose an, or find an advisor page, it's got all this information there. And go pull up their ADV Part 2 brochure and check the fees they charge. Because no fiduciary advisor is worth more than about 1% per year, period. So um, you need to check out a few things. If need be, get back to me. Send me a note. Give me the name of the firm. I'll look it up for you. I don't mind. I do this all the time. As a matter of fact, I could put them. We have a, a list of of um, fiduciary or fiduciary and non-100% fiduciary advisors and the fees they charge at TalkingRealMoney.com. So I'll add, I'll add this firm to it. Just a public service from publicly available information. And speaking of public services... Um, we got a call to 855-935-TALK that took issue with something I said. Hey, Tom and Don. Uh, big fans of the show. And I'm also a fan of Dave Ramsey, which I guess is a curse word on your show these days. Uh, the reason I'm calling is I wanted to take exception to something you guys or something mentioned this week actually I'm sorry it was Don um, there was a caller that called in and was interested in paying off the house or investing and he googled that and the first thing that came up was Dave Ramsey he listened to the video cash in his investments at 45 or some investments at age 45 and then paid off the house. I, I've listened to, to Dave for many years and I have never heard him advocate that type of advice. He advocates in his baby steps 
to put away 15% of your income into retirement. And then paying off the house is, I think, one of his later steps. And he's been posed that question many times from people in their 40s and early 50s and people close to paying off the house. Should I cash in my retirement or some retirement to pay off the house? I've never heard him say that. He's always advocated to continue investing at the 15% and then aggressively paying off the mortgage through their stream of income. So I think that's an important distinction. Um, I think the caller misinterpreted the advice because um, he cashed in his investments at 45 or some of them to pay off his house. So, and then after paying off the house, the idea is to increase your investing even more to the point where uh, you're getting even more returns and things of that nature, but you don't have that debt around your neck. Anyway, just thought I'd point that out and um, that that was an important distinction, I think. So thanks again. Um, even though I'm disagreeing with you here, I do appreciate your guys' advice. Have a good day. Well, thanks for being a fan of our show. First, that's what the caller said. He said that he watched a video and Dave Ramsey suggested that he get out of his investments and put money into or, or pay down his mortgage. I've heard Dave say that. I used to listen to his show. I, I really don't listen to radio much anymore and I don't like Dave's show that much. So I don't listen to it very often. Although I do go online once in a while. It's good for a laugh. Uh, and he's a very popular laugh. However, I think you're wrong. In fact, I know you're wrong because I have evidence you're wrong. I found many written things online where Dave says, pay off your mortgage. In fact, he even calls people like me who say, well, don't necessarily pay off your mortgage because from a financial standpoint, it doesn't make sense. He calls us doofuses, which is his prerogative. He can call me a doofus all he wants, and I can say, I disagree with Dave. All I want. As a matter of fact, the fair use doctrine even allows me to take a little clip of audio from a video Dave did in 2019 that actually advises a caller who called in to say, I have money in my investments. I've done my 15%. I've done all the baby step stuff. Should I take this money in my investment portfolio and pay off or start to pay down my mortgage. And here is Dave's response. Oh, and by the way, he has just finished listing off five baby steps. Six is pay off the house early. So above 15% going into retirement and above kids' college check, we would say throw everything at the house, which is the $90,000 that's in discussion here, unless you don't have an emergency fund. If you do, don't, we'd use some of the 90000 for that and throw the rest at the mortgage. I listened to the whole call, and Dave advised paying down the mortgage and then using the money you're not paying on the mortgage every month to invest. But that doesn't make any sense, because if you have a big chunk of money and you invest it now, you get the benefit of what is generally a rising market for broadly diversified portfolios of equities, generally. You, don't, you could be wrong. It could go down. But 
it goes up substantially more than it goes down. It's about 75% of years the market rises and 25% it falls. So the odds are in your favor. And if you have money at 3%, and by the way, Dave recommends 15-year mortgages, the 15-year rates right now, uh, I'm getting one right now at two and three quarter percent. They are low. Are you? Do you really think it makes sense for me to pay off my mortgage or invest that money in a way that will very likely over the next 15 years, at least if history is any guide, make me far more than two and three quarter percent. You see, I just, the logic escapes me as Dave's logic often escapes me because he's such, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. He's really so bent on getting people out of debt. And, that, and that's a good thing that he takes it a little too far. There's good debt and there's bad debt. Not all debt is bad. So I hope that answers the query, but Dave did say it. Thank you all for listening. Remember, you can call anytime, 855-935-TALK, or you can actually record your question at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form, or just type something up and send it to me, and we'll answer it on a future podcast. Maybe even on the show, but that becomes a podcast. We try to do podcasts about five days a week. Sometimes I fail I'm only human, and I got, I'm the one doing all of this. So, And also, check out my, uh, my episode. I'm on Friday the 24th on the Stacking Benjamins podcast, which was kind of fun. I enjoyed it. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend or two or a hundred or so. If you, you know, you're on the phone, I'm sure you're not going to see him face to face. But let everybody know, because truly in this business, the more the merrier. I'm Don McDonald. that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.